What is up, everybody? It's Dylan James and JT Taylor across the table from me, as always. We have a really good show for you this week. We're going to be talking a lot about NFL football. It's winding down in the preseason, and uh, week one is upon us very shortly. Then we have college football starting up this weekend. We have fantasy football where we have, I have, I think, four drafts next weekend, which we'll talk about that in Dylan's Fantasy Corner. Then we have college football. We have some hockey news. We have some, I mean, we just have a lot of stuff going on this week. So we have a lot of information to talk about. JT, how you feeling? I'm fired up, Dylan. How are you, man? How's everything going here in Celebration Florida for you? It's good. It's rainy outside today. It's been rainy this week. We've had some pretty strong storms in the central Florida area, but you know what? It's shining bright like a diamond in here. Yeah, well, I was going to say during the summer months here in central Florida, it rains quite often, especially in the afternoon, but we get used to it here, and we try to take advantage of the sunshine whenever we can get, right? Yeah, we do. Get that vitamin D. Yeah, but my week's been pretty busy, Dylan, you know, working a lot. Finally had a day off today, so spent a lot of time catching up with schoolwork and, not schoolwork, but getting ready for school, full sale in January, and then uh, doing some cleaning, laundry stuff, hanging out with friends, things like that. But Dylan, how was your week? It was good. Very busy, very uh, work heavy, but we, we made it through. We made it through. And uh, we actually went to Fogo de Chow last night, which was fantastic. Oh, taking advantage of that Orlando Orlando Magical, Magical dining. dining, yeah, thirty five bucks per person. It was a prefix meal, but it, essentially at Fogo de Chow is what uh, or show I think they say um, what Louise was telling me at work today. That's the way you should pronounce it. Um, yeah, it was thirty five bucks, but we had the whole menu essentially. Just walk by your table. It's a Brazilian steakhouse. Walk by your table, slice meat off of a, a huge skewer, and you just divulge yourself in in uh, in meat. And it's a heavenly experience until the very end when you're full and you have to be rolled out of the restaurant. But other than that, it was fantastic. Thirty five bucks a person is not bad. It's it's a really cool program to check into. And also, uh, there is a donation that goes. From that to Best Buddies, um, which is a fantastic organization. If you need to learn more about that, go online, check out Best Buddies um, to donate there. But yeah, Orlando Magical Dining is a great deal. You should definitely check it out. But um, let's just get into the news, JT. We have a lot of sports to talk about, and I just want to get into it right away. Uh, Let's recap week three in the preseason in the NFL. First of all, Cam Newton avoids a concussion, but also avoids losing a game this preseason. They are undefeated so far. How is that offense looking to you, JT? Carolina, I feel like they're still trying to figure out the new offense, like with their coach and everything, and trying to get things going. I mean, for Cam Newton, for him to avoid a concussion is huge because here in the preseason, Dylan, we've already seen a lot of major injuries. The Jaguars just got the news today about Marquise Lee, who we'll talk about in a minute. And, you know, we know about the Redskins and their problems, but with their running back position, with guys going out a couple weeks ago, you know, it appears for now they fixed that problem. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But yeah, Dylan, these quarterbacks gotta get through. And lucky for us now that we're week three, where a lot of those starters are getting a bulk of the playing time. For week four, they're gonna be benched because their coaches want to have them rested, getting ready for week one, which is less than two weeks away, Dylan. Yes. Um, and speaking of some powerful performances, we had the Denver Broncos. They actually finally won a game in the preseason. 29-17 to against the Washington Redskins. In this game, Case Keenum actually looked like the Case Keenum of old, the one that they actually signed to a huge contract there in Denver. He actually uh, was 12-18 of 18 for 148 yards in that game, looking very, very good. Um, and they put together a win. That's the first time they've done it so far this preseason, and they're looking better than they did before. Um, what do you think is the key contributing factor to them actually winning this game? Well, Dylan, for, it looks like the offense had finally started clicking for Denver. And Denver, we know we've been harping on them a lot about the quarterback situation. But I figured, I mean, because you have like three, uh, not Pax and Lynch, he's been there for at least a year. But you had Kelly and you had, uh, uh, I'm trying, oh, Case Keenum, there we go, trying to get it together. So they picked it up for this week for the Broncos. And 
you know, despite Adrian Peterson having a dominant performance in that game, Case Keenum did really well. 12 for 18, had 148 passing yards. So he's picked it up. And for the Broncos, their other quarterback, Chad Kelly, had 7 for 11, had 70 passing yards. Paxton Lynch, I mean, 3 for 7, okay. But, you know, we'll see if he can get do better in game four because that's where I expect he's going to get more playing time to try to make that as a third-string quarterback on the roster. Because some teams will have three quarterbacks and some will not, only go with two. So we'll have to monitor that situation and see. But yeah, Dylan, the, the Broncos finally picked it up. They had two receivers got, you know, touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, with uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Royce Freeman. So we'll see how they pick it up when they got those scoring touchdowns for the Broncos. But we'll see, Dylan. The AFC West is going to be very competitive. I mean, we don't know about the Chargers. We don't know about the Raiders. But the Chiefs, to me, or the Broncos, will be the two teams battling out for that AFC West title because they know whoever wins the division is going to playoffs. Yeah, exactly. With Patrick Mahomes, um, that is going to be a very dominant team in Kansas City. But let's go back to this game with the Broncos and the Redskins. Go to the flip side. Talk about Adrian Peterson making his debut with the Washington Redskins in this game, um, running 11 rushes for 56 yards in that game. Very dominant performance by him, especially with the short playing time he had during this game. But um, I'm sure his carries will get more and more as we head into the regular season. And he looked good. I mean, I I think he looked good for his age, too. I think he showed uh, the Redskins, you know, yes, you made a good decision by signing me to this contract. And I think he'll do some good things for the Redskins offense. Yeah, I think so, too. Adrian Peterson, you know, he he had a struggling year last year between the Saints— and the Cardinals, so a really rough year after leaving Minnesota, but I think he's rebounded, and that performance he had this past weekend was very impressive. I know he didn't get a lot of playing time, but we'll see how it goes in week four. I think he's going to get more playing time, and we know Dylan throughout the season, now that Geis can be out for the season, he's going to be responsible to carry that load because it's important that him and Alex Smith click on the same page to get that offense going for the Redskins because, like I said, Dylan, the NFC East, especially news with the Giants, who we'll talk about in a minute, and the Eagles with their struggles right now with their coach getting upset about what about Carson Wentz? When is he going to play? Blah, blah, blah. And the situation with Nick Foles. And then, of course, the Cowboys, after the rough year they had last year, who knows what to expect of the Cowboys this year. So this is the Redskins' opportunity to make some noise. So we'll have to see. Yeah, exactly, and definitely having their uh, star quarterback leave and go to Minnesota, um, I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens with Washington this year, and Adrian Peterson will help their cause because they will need to establish a run game if they want to advance to uh, the division title and also the playoffs in the um, after the season. So um, let's look at a team that didn't do so well in the preseason, a team that we hold very near and dear to our hearts, the Tennessee Titans. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field, 16-6. to um, Just didn't look very good um, on offense. Marcus Mariota was 5 of 8 for uh, 43 yards and an interception. And he had sacked as well, so he, he really struggled in that game against Pittsburgh this past weekend. He really did. And So what do you think he needs to do better um, going into week one, um, not this week, but next week, um, to bring his team to victory next time? Because it seems like... As of right now, we're not going to win a game in the preseason unless our backups decide to uh, throw together a win next week. Yeah, Dylan, I think Marcus Mariota just has to, you know, control the ball, not not get too much in the pressure. I know maybe he's thinking about trying to get hurt or nothing like that, but he just has to control the ball, stick to his game, get his receivers open, and you know, Anthony uh, Ferkser was the only person that got a touchdown in our preseason game. So I think he has to get the offense more clicking, more motivated and our running backs. I know we don't have DeMarco Murray and we have Derrick Henry still there, but they got to start picking up the load. I know it's preseason. Pittsburgh's a tough team because they have a really good defense. So we'll see how the Titans do in a week four during preseason, but they got to be ready for the home. For, actually, are we on the home or are we on the road of our first game of the season? Do you know? We're on the road. We're I on believe. the road. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. So, 
We'll see what happens with Marcus Mariota in the offense. Again, Matt LaFleur, it's his new system. It's a brand new system for this team. I think they're still trying to figure out their identity on offense, and I think they will. It just takes time, you know, bringing in a new offensive scheme. This is um, the third offensive scheme that Marcus Mariota has had in his career. So it's just one of those things where he had to erase everything he learned from the past two offensive schemes he's played in to uh, now have this new system he has to be built into. Um, and so hopefully we'll see, be able to see some of his strengths, uh, more of his strengths in the system as the season progresses. So let's talk about another team that had a very, very bad outing. I think this game was probably the worst game of the weekend. It was the Browns versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia laid a goose egg on the scoreboard. It was 0-5 to five was the final score. Um, and... You know, Nick Foles did not look good at all in that game. Neither did the uh, Philadelphia Eagles offense. Man, I, I, I was working that night at Under Armour, so but I heard the score was 5 nothing. I was like, what, what is it, 5-0? Were they playing soccer out there? Like, what's going on out there? So the Eagles really struggled in that game. Nick Foles, he had two interceptions, and he was 13 for 17. Their backup quarterback, Nate Sudfield, didn't do much better. And the Eagles, I think they're just struggling clicking an offense. And everyone's been asking Dylan about Carson Wentz, who's still you know recovering from his knee. The doctors have not cleared him to, to, to play yet. And I think a lot of people are feel like the Eagles are under pressure to play Carson, play Carson Wentz in week one. But I'm like, look, if he's not ready to go, no need to rush him out there. You know, keep him on healthy on the bench. And when he's the doctors clear him and he's ready to go. Then put them out there. The Eagles got no pressure. I know the first, you go open the first night at home against the Falcons. It's going to be a big deal. And I know your coach, Doug Pearson, is getting a little frustrated, a little heated with the situation. Um, but, you know, the, the offense, you know, really struggled in that game against the Browns. And they just got need more time to get it together. I mean, a lot of teams in common, if they win a Super Bowl, tend to have a hangover. For the Eagles, they're not having it right now in the preseason. So I guess I'd rather have it now in the preseason as opposed to like the first four weeks of the season, you're 0-4. So we'll see, Dylan. I think the Eagles, once the season starts, once they get the real games matter, get them going, they'll click. And then when Nick, uh, not Nick Foles, when uh, Carson Wentz is ready, he'll be ready to go. Exactly. Why would you injure your your future in Carson Wentz? He is the guy in Philadelphia. He will be there for many years to come, and he will be your starter for many years to come. There's no reason to throw him out on the field and get in the way of injury um, just to win uh, one or two games in the very beginning of the season because you have 16 games. It's a very long season. I think that you guys can still win games even if you don't have Carson Wentz play in week one. Um, of the regular season. So let's talk about teams that are undefeated um, this year so far, and let's see which one has the best chance to go to the playoffs in the regular season. So we got the Bengals, Cardinals, Panthers, or Ravens. Which team do you think of those four has the best chance to move into the playoffs this season? Well, I think the best team out of all those to me is is, is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Bengals, you know, they've been kind of up and down. They've done well in the preseason so far, which is great. Now the question is, can the Bengals carry it into the, the season? I don't know if they're going to be able to handle that, Dylan, because remember, it's that top division with the Steelers and the Browns. And, of course, the Ravens are in there as well. The Ravens, I know Joe Flacco hasn't paid, played much. It's been mostly RG3 and and uh, Lamar Jackson running that offense. But I think the Ravens, Dylan, with all the, the receiving core they have and the running game, the Ravens, to me, are a team that's going to, uh, that group made the playoffs, at least as a wild card. I would expect them to get in at least as a wild card because they they didn't make the playoffs last year. I expect them that they're going to do much better and bounce back this year. I think so, too. I think they have a more solid team this season. And also, I, I think that things are going to work out for Jim Harbaugh and that, uh, John Harbaugh and that offense. Um, and the defense is looking killer as well. So I think that definitely um, once you get Joe Flacco into that system as a starting quarterback week one, I think that – uh, many good things can happen. Also, Lamar Jackson does add a, a different element to that team. Even though he's not starting in the game, he will be playing in the game um, in some aspect. And so I expect them to use him sparingly, but use him in situations where he will improve the offense. And I think they can get to the playoffs very, very easily with that team they have um, so far. So I think it'll be a really good season for the Ravens. Now, let's talk about um, some other miscellaneous news in the NFL. Victor Cruz retired from the NFL this week. 
and he is going to be joining ESPN as an NFL analyst. Also, in other retirement news, um, Eric Decker actually retired from the league as well. He hung up his cleats, and he's decided to look at other things in his life to reassess and and look for another career. Uh, also, another NFL player this week. It's just the retirement week this week, apparently. Apparently so. It's just insane. Um, NFL tight end Julius Thomas retired to pursue a doctorate in phys- uh, psychology and also study CTE. So of these guys, I mean, which do you think had the biggest impact in, impact in the league during their time? Well, the biggest impact to me that really did well, I mean, even though... Unfortunately, his career kind of got short with injuries with Victor Cruz. I mean, when he came in the league in 2011, I mean, he was amazing, breaking records, doing the salsa dance with his touchdown moves, and helping the Giants uh, win the Super Bowl when they beat the Patriots. So, I mean, Victor Cruz, it was sad to see him, how he kept getting injured and he struggled. And then last season when he tried to make it with the Bears, he couldn't make the team, he got cut. And he decided, you know what, maybe it's not worth me making a comeback. I'm just going to retire. And now he's going to go on ESPN now and – ESPN is going to be an NFL analyst. And I've been hearing on ESPN that they're going to have a lot of NFL analysts this year for a lot of their shows like Get Up, Sports Center, all that, to uh, talk about the football season. So it kind of worked out great for him. But that's cool with Julius Thomas that what he's going to do is study psychology and research on CTE because we know that's a very big problem uh, for the players when they retire, uh, leaving the game in the NFL. Yeah, it is. And also, I mean, Julius Thomas had left a legacy there in Denver. He actually played very, very well in that system with Demarius Thomas and also Eric Decker, too. Eric Decker was there as well. So it's kind of strange that two former Denver Broncos decided to retire in the in the same week. But uh, I think Julius Thomas had made a very huge impact in Denver. And he was one of the best. He was one of the top tight ends for several seasons um, alongside Delaney Walker, alongside Rob Gronkowski, guys like that. So uh, Julius Thomas had a great career, but all three of these guys definitely um, had a great career in several different aspects um, in the league. And so congratulations to them on a successful uh, career in the NFL. And hopefully they do well in their respective careers after their time on the football field. And also Josh Gordon will be playing week one versus the Steelers. Although he will not be starting, he will still be on the field. How much of an impact do you think that will be for the Cleveland Browns? Well, we'll see Dylan. Uh, Josh Gordon hasn't played I know he's been in the preseason games and learning the offense and everything since so he's been gone. So we'll see. I mean, it definitely helps the Browns out in the receiving core because whether it's Baker Mayfield or Tyrod Taylor throwing him the ball, you know, it's nice that they're going to have someone like a, a weapon to throw it to. So I think the Browns, it's going to be good for them as they're trying to, to get a win. And we said last week, Dylan, we, we expect the Browns to get some wins. They're not going to go winless this year. I think they're going to get a couple wins and, Going to make it very competitive in the AFC North Division. Not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying they're going to Super Bowl, but I think they're going to improve finally. And like your boy John said last week, there have been inconsistency in the offense and coaches and all that. And they finally got that consistency this year, even though Hugh Brown only won one game in two years. But still, he's still there. And we know he's done well with quarterbacks. He did it with Andy Dalton in Cleveland. And I know the jury's still on Andy Dalton since he left, but I think. The Browns, this is huge for them. And we know their defense, Dylan, is, 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 is stud. And you got to have still a defense in that division. So the defense will keep them in the games. It's just the Browns got to get the offense clicking. And having Josh Gordon there certainly will help. Yeah, I believe so. I think that the Cleveland Browns will look a lot better than they did last year. Um, that's not really saying much because they, they sucked a bit. They were abysmal last year. Um, but still, yeah, I think they still get a few wins. I think that those Bud Light refrigerators that are in Cleveland will be opening up within the first three weeks of the season. So um, look out for that because you will definitely want to be at those bars when those refrigerators open up for those fans. All right, Dylan, just some quick news before we move on to our favorite subject, Dylan's fancy corner. Yes, guys, it's back. And the Jaguars announced today that Marquise Lee, who got injured on, it looked like a a bang, bang play, like a helmet going low in his leg or knee and injured. So the Jags announced they're gonna he's gonna get surgery, he's gonna be on IR, and he's gonna miss the rest of the season. So that's kind of huge news, huge loss for the the Jaguars. And then uh, the big news today was Dylan, your boy Odell Beckham Jr., who only played four games last year. I remind you guys, he got paid as he got a five-year, ninety-five million dollar contract extension for the New York Giants. And this is huge for New York, Dylan, because Eli Manning's still there. Odell Beckham was very uh, 
you know, critical of the previous coach, McAdoo, when they were screwing up everything and they didn't know how to use the quarterback and the offense and all that jazz. And he's getting $41 million up front, Dylan. $41 million up front, 65 guaranteed card. That's a lot of money. So for Odell Beckham, I mean, this is huge for him. And for the Giants, this is a booster because this could motivate them to try to win the NFC East this year after having a really rough season last year without him. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. is always electrifying when he's on the field. I think that last season it was tough that he had those injuries, that he was off the field for so long. But I think when when he's on the field, that team is a lot better. I think that Eli Manning is more confident when he's on the field. Um, And so I think that Odell Beckham Jr. will do great things for New York. And they have five years now. They have a good window right now. Even if Eli Manning does... um, either retire or is no longer their starting quarterback. He has a few more years. They have a good window to where they can make a run for the Super Bowl. Um, and I think that Odo Beckham Jr. can do that for that team in that five years that he's going to be there with them. All right, Dylan. Well, it's back, guys. Dylan's Fantasy Corner. As you all know, our Out of Bounds Podcast League, we're doing our Fantasy Football League again. And Dylan, uh, our draft is uh, September 2nd, right? Yep, Sunday. Sunday at uh, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock p.m. So we'll be talking about those results. We'll probably post the results of the draft on our website, outofboundspodcast.com. We'll talk more about that uh, when it rolls around. But yeah, we're very, very excited for this draft. We have the same guys, the same teams as we did last season. Um, Ann Bailey is a part of the league. John Cameron's a part of the league. Um, I believe Scott Dressler's a part of the league, too. So we have some really good uh, people in this league. And uh, we'll see what can happen in this league. I believe last year Jake Schmidt was the one who won it all. Um, so we're going to try to knock him off this year. I think last year <laughs> JT and I had uh, down years because the players that we thought they were going to do well didn't do well at all. It, it just it was a very weird season with the NFL. I'm not blaming my technique as a fantasy football commissioner or a fantasy football owner uh, because it, it definitely wasn't. And my, my method was very clear, very precise, and it was proven to work. However, last season was just an anomaly, I guess you could say. So I think this year I'll have better chances of winning this league, um, better chance of actually at least doing well in this league, um, better than I did last season. But let's go into some of the players to watch as we're prepping for the draft. Um, you'll probably be drafting either this week or this coming up weekend before the start of the season. So we're going to go position by position, skill positions to see who I think you should look for in the draft. So starting with the quarterback, I think Marcus Mariota is a really, really safe bet this season. I think with Matt LaFleur and his offense, offensive scheme, also we have Corey Davis, we have Derek Henry in the backfield, we have Deion Lewis in the backfield, we have Taewon Taylor, we have a lot of good wide receivers. Rashard Matthews, um, I think that he's going to be a really, really good quarterback to steal in the draft. I'm not saying draft him high because you don't have to. I think he'll be in um, probably the fifth or sixth round still. I think he'll still be going down pretty low um, in the draft. So definitely keep an eye on Marcus Mariota. If he's there, sitting there at round five, round six, I would definitely pick him up. Um, And then also another guy uh, that might be a sleeper this season is Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know that everybody was high on him last year. They haven't really been talking about him much this year, um, but he still has a laser of an arm. He has a strong arm, too. Um, a great offensive scheme there in Kansas City. And Andy Reid's going to be doing a lot to uh, showcase his skills in that offense. So I think that Patrick Mahomes will be a guy you need to look at also in the later draft rounds. Not necessarily a guy to play in the first few weeks, but somebody to play later in the season. I think you'll you'll um, thank me for that later in the season. So running back-wise, we got Leonard Fournette because, of course, he was a beast last season. I think he'll still be a beast this season. That offensive line has not changed much. Um, I think that Jacksonville will have a very, very um, strong season again. Um, even if um, Blake Bortles doesn't have a strong season, I think that Leonard Fournette will be the bell cow in Jacksonville. If he stays healthy, I think he will be a very, very strong force in the AFC South. And then we have Alvin Kamara from the New Orleans Saints. Of course, he had a stellar season last year as well. Hopefully people um, have forgotten about him to where you can actually pick him up um, in this draft. But I'd say he'd still probably be there in the second or third round. Um, So I would say Alvin Kamara would be a good pickup for you as well. Let's move to wide receiver John Ross from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, If you didn't see it this past weekend, he had a stellar juke move going into the end zone for a touchdown. 
Um, and it was it was incredible to watch. So go back and watch um, the John Ross touchdown video he had. Um, but he'll be a great, great wide receiver in that offense. I think that he's going to do many good things for Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton will be going to John Ross a lot because he's a speedster. He has great hands. And he's a great route runner, too. I think that uh, John Ross will be a guy for you. Also, another guy that you can look at that probably won't be picked up on many radars will be uh, Corey Davis. He'll be the number one wide receiver in, t- in the Tennessee Titans offense. And I think Corey's going to have a great season. He's going to have a breakout season, especially since he was injured most of the season last year. There were several glimpses of Corey Davis in, later in the season. And uh, I think he will have a very, very good season in the Matt LaFleur offense um, in Tennessee. Now, moving on to tight end, I have David Nyoku um, from from Cleveland. I think that he's going to be a great pickup for um, tight ends because he is he is a big guy, um, strong frame. I think that he'll, he'll do very, very well in the Cleveland Browns offense. And then also uh, a sleeper pick, I think O.J. Howard with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't look for him many times in the first few games because he'll be starting quarterback there until Jameis Winston's done with his suspension. Jameis Winston loves to throw to O.J. Howard. I think O.J. Howard will be um, a very, very good uh, tight end in that offense. I also think that he will have um, probably the most receptions in that offense next to Mike Evans. Um, so those two guys will be the top wide, the top wide receivers slash tight end tandems when it comes to receptions um, in the league. So I think O.J. Howard would be a great pickup. And that's my fantasy corner for the week. And uh, we'll talk more about it once the draft comes around. But uh, yeah, that's it. So let's move on to college football. Begins this week, but it hasn't been a good week for Ohio State because uh, Urban Meyer is out for a few games. Yeah, Dylan, uh, as we talked about last week with your boy John, we suspected that Urban Meyer was going to probably get suspended and not get fired. The thing that was so stunning, Dylan, was I didn't watch the press conference, but I was reading everything what everyone was talking about on Twitter, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, hearing him talk and, and, and reading the comments, I'm like, is he tone deaf? Is he? Did he really just say that? Like, what is he talking about? And basically that press conference, Dylan, it sounded like to me that he was so happy he wasn't getting fired and that he was only getting suspended, even though I heard, Dylan, he wasn't happy about getting suspended in the first place. I had also heard that there was speculation he might have thrown his phone out or something, like what Tom Brady did with the flake gate, that whole hot mess. So Ohio State, you know, it's kind of disappointing that they could have made a statement by firing him just because of what happened with, you know, what's going on in college football and, and sports world, you know, with domestic violence and what's going on uh, with, with, with women and, and all that. And the fact that he was so unapologetic to Courtney Smith and then basically two days later uh, made a basically what I call a makeup apology. And he only did that, Dylan, because he was getting ridiculed not only by the media, and rightly so, but also by the Ohio State fans. The Ohio State fans were criticizing, like, what are you doing? This is stupid. So, you know, Dylan, this is just crazy. You know, the AD's getting suspended as well for three games. And from what I'm hearing, Dylan, the only reason why Urban Meyer's not fired because through his time, he's 73-8 and eight as a coach. He won him a national championship. And he's basically admitted, I made a mistake by keeping a coach who you knew this was going on. Like, why you knew this was going on. Why did you not fire him from the get-go instead of keeping him for, like, two more years? So it's looking bad. And the interim coach that's going to coach these three games, Dylan, you know, he's talking about, oh, is that adversity and character and blah, blah, blah. Get out of here. Urban Meyer's character has lost, you know, he's lost credibility now. And, you know, his character for the team, everything's built now has been exposed. And I've heard reports, Dylan, even saying he may not even – he may not even coach after next season, depending on how Ohio State goes. I mean, unfortunately, I hate saying this, but I feel like if Ohio State somehow wins a national championship this year, then this is going to be like a dead on the wire issue and no one's going to talk about it anymore. I certainly hope that's not the case, but that's just the one worry I have. And Ohio State, Dylan, as I pull up the schedule here, these are the three games he's going to miss. Oregon State. Okay, I'm sure they'll win that game. Rutgers. Are you kidding me, Dylan? Rutgers. They can't beat anybody in the Big Ten last year. Now, this game could be an upset. They're at TCU. That could be an upset because TCU, Gary Patterson, 
And you know TCU with the way they run that run and gun pistol offense, they can score a lot of points. It's like Texas Tech, but it's TCU, same type of offense. So that's one game where Ohio State could struggle. But assuming they make it through, you know, 3-0 under their interim coach, then they got Tulane, and then Urban Meyer will be back, obviously, for that game. But, like, the big game, which is on September 29th, Dylan, at Penn State, which is the real reason why they didn't spend him longer. And that, yeah, it should have been a four-game suspension at least. And that's the reason why. That's the reason why they wanted him to come back. It's good for ratings, too. Good for TV ratings. I'm sure NCAA, are, they're very happy about that because he's coming back for this huge game. Um, has playoff implications. It really does. I mean, that, that game is going to be huge for national television ratings. Huge. Um, but I think that Urban Meyer... He didn't sound apologetic at all. I, I the the statement he read was a written statement that he had prepared before. I don't even think he probably prepared it. It was probably somebody else, one of his people, quote unquote, that prepared it for him for him to read for the media. But uh, you know, it's one of those things that I kind of knew this was going to happen. Um, it should have gone one of uh, one of two ways. I think that if a they would have fired him, this whole story would be just done with. I think that everyone would have been happy with that outcome, except for Ohio State fans. I think everybody would have been okay with that outcome, essentially. Uh, media and everything. But then you look at if he didn't get a suspension, I, st- I think still, no one would have said, I mean, they would have maybe said, oh, really? He didn't get a suspension? But I think it's still, having this three-game suspension, to me, it makes it look like, oh, here's just a little slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. It, it, it just doesn't look good for um, Ohio State. It doesn't look good for the NCAA. I think they should have punished him even more than they did. Um, I think even half a game, I mean, half a, a season suspension would have been even better um, than just three games. But at this point, there's, he's showing no remorse for this. Um, I, I think that in the future, if you are a coach in the NCAA on a football team, you need to look at this situation and say, you know what? I need to avoid things like this in my future. I think this should have been the, the case that coaches should have looked at in the future to say, I'm not going to do that. But now, knowing that he was just slapped on the wrist for it by getting a three-game suspension, there are going to be coaches out there saying, you know what? I probably could get away with this. And if I do, if I don't, then I'll just get a three-game suspension. So I think at the end of the day, I think they did the wrong thing. I think they should have suspended him um, longer than they did, fired him, or not suspended him at all. Because it makes it look like they don't care what he did. And they don't care what happened um, in this in this whole situation. No, I totally agree, Dylan. And the only thing I'll add here is that Ohio State, you know, it, it's a football school. That's their big program. Bigger than basketball, bigger than baseball, hockey. They have hockey there. It's it's bigger than all that. And the football program generates a lot of money for the other sports. And that's the only other reason why I think they keep him. It's, it was a business move because they knew that, like John said last week, if they fired him, they had to pay him all that buyout fee. And who knows, they might have to file a lawsuit, reach a settlement, or how much he's going to get, all that kind of stuff. And Ohio State, I felt, just didn't want to deal with that. That's why other reason why they only gave him three game suspension. But yeah, Dylan, like you said, it sets a bad precedent because now another coach can be like, "Oh, look what Urban Meyer did, and he got suspended." You know why can't I get suspended? Kind of like Florida State a few years ago when Jimbo and James Winston that whole situation was going on. It just it's bad. Look what happened to Baylor, R. Bryles. I mean, there's a lot on 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 examples you can go on with in college football, and this is sad, Dylan. This is sad, and we'll see what happens, Dylan. And that's what was my concern when I mentioned earlier. Yeah, people will be upset. People will be fired up. People, I don't think people are going to boycott Ohio State games, but unfortunately, Dylan, if Ohio State wins, are we going to talk about this three months from now? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, it's probably just going to be glazed over. Um, and, I mean, there were analysts saying this will be a tarnish on Urban Meyer's career, things of that nature. But, like you said, if he wins the national title with OSU, do you really think that they care if he has this tarnish on his on his career? Probably not. Urban Meyer certainly doesn't. He doesn't at all. He's still getting paid from this uh, from this uh, college, even though he's not getting paid for the first three games. But still, he's still getting paid from the organization. He still has a job at the end of the day. And then he'll have a national championship hanging up at his house. So I think that at the end of the day, um, Urban Meyer is not affected by this whatsoever. I, I think that three games, you know, the money he'll lose from three games is what he... You know, that's cheap change. To that's chip. Yeah, it's chump change. Not, not only him. that, you know, he's gonna, you know, get, like you said, get a slap on the wrist, and 
let's say TCU upsets Ohio State. It's still early enough the season where Ohio State, okay, one loss. They can win out the Big Ten, win the championship in the Big Ten, and still go to the playoff. So, I mean, there you go. And that's a good team, too. So even if they do, they do lose to TCU, that's a, a good team they lost to. Because most likely TCU will still have a pretty good season this year. They'll have at least nine wins, I'm eight or nine wins probably in the season, if not more. So, um, yeah, I think that it, it's it's kind of ridiculous what happened. But, you know, we just got to keep on keeping on and see what happens this season for Ohio State. Oh, Urban Meyer, all about yourself, man. Will you ever learn? Anyway, Dylan, let's talk about college football on the field because we actually had some games that happened this past weekend for, as we call it, week zero. So some games, in case you missed anything this past weekend, was Duquesne played UMass, and UMass blew Duquesne, who is an FCS school, out of the door, winning that game 63-15. to Rice Owls defeated the Prairie View A&M uh, Panthers. They beat them 31-28. And then, of course, Wyoming, the Cowboys, defeated New Mexico State 29-7. to Now, the big game that happened this past weekend was the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors were in Colorado and Fort Collins taking on Colorado State. And Dylan, Colorado State, who had a very, really good year last year, was a 17.5 favorite to destroy Hawaii. And Hawaii, Dylan, they had other ideas because their quarterback, Cole McDonald, he did exceptionally well. Hawaii was up by 30 points in that game. They were up 30 to nothing. And then Colorado State's already made a slow comeback. And But Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, were able to hang on to win. First time, Dylan, they've won in the state of Colorado and Fort Collins since 1988. So congrats to those guys. So Hawaii getting your first win of the season. Congrats on that, Cole McDonald. Wish you guys best luck because you're going to be at home this weekend against the Navy Midshipmen, who can score a lot of points. Yeah, it's, 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 that's going to be a really good game to watch. But Hawaii, man, they have had a great week so far, not just in football, but also in Little League World Series, which we'll talk about later on in the show. Um, but now let's move on to our college game day pick'em uh, segment on the show. This is going to be a new segment we'll do this season, uh, talking about some games. We'll have five t- games we'll talk about, and we'll pick winners of each of those five games. So starting off, uh, JT, I'll start with you first. Number 21, UCF, will be playing up against UConn. All right, UCF, the defending national champions. According wait, wait, which, uh, the NCAA, yeah. they said that they were the co-champions <laughs> of last year, which is fantastic for UCF. Fantastic. Yeah, man. Getting that money. But yes, they will be in Hartford on Thursday night taking on UConn. And UCF is coming in as a 23.5 favorite, ranked, you know, 21 in the country. Dylan, I really think UCF is going to blow the doors off in Connecticut, beating the UConn Huskies and getting that win. And still, most importantly, staying undefeated. This will be the first game without Scott Frost as the head coach um, since last season. So I think UCF will still win this game. They still have a lot of talent on that football team, and I think they will play very well against UConn, and they will win against UConn um, at UConn. So let's move to the second game. It's San Diego State at number 13, Stanford. Ooh, didn't I pick Stanford last year? And did San Diego State, did they upset them last year or no? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was close. I think it was close. I think close. it was close. If it if they didn't win, I think it was very close. Yeah, they came. I think they very, they came very close to the upset. But I think Dylan Stanford says the game will be at home in Palo Alto, Cardinal Stadium. I think the Cardinal got that game in the bag over San Diego State. Unfortunately, I have to go against my boys, San Diego State, because I think Stanford will win. They are um, ranked in the top fifteen this year. I think that Stanford will blow the doors off San Diego State. I don't, don't be surprised if it is a close game, but I think Stanford will still win. So let's move on to the third game. Number six, Washington versus number nine, Auburn at Auburn. Yeah, Dylan, this is a tough one to call. I know I make I sound like a, a presidential election campaign, like too close to call. It's going to be close. Ugh. We need a recount. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I think... Like, well, the game's going to be Atlanta. I almost said Auburn, but no, it's going to be Atlanta at the Benz, as they call it. And I really think, Dylan, Washington, coming all the way from the West Coast, man, to Atlanta, I just don't know if they're going to be ready to go and motivated. And I think they'll play – it's going to be close the first three quarters. 
But I think Auburn is going to pull it off in the fourth quarter and win that game to uh, get their first win of the season. We're in sync so far. I think that Auburn will want to come into this game and have revenge on last season. They should have won last year um, in the SEC championship game, and they came up short. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that Auburn will win this game. All right, Dylan, our next game is rivalries, as a rivalry is getting reacquainted now between the Michigan Wolverines and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You know, I think this year is a make-or-break season for um, Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. I it really is. I, th- I think that this season will be the one that, if he doesn't do well this season, I think he'll be out in Michigan. Ooh. Um, but... You know what? In this game, Notre Dame has played very well. They have a great coach. They have a great coaching staff. Um, they have a great offense. Uh, they always do well under the big lights. They always do. Not only that, Notre Dame, which happens to be sponsored by Under Armour, but <laughs> they are playing at home against yeah. Michigan, and I think yeah. that helps a lot. I think it helps a lot, too. It's going to be close. Yeah, so it's going to be close. It's going to be close, but I think Notre Dame's going to win. Yeah, Dylan, I think Notre Dame, I mean, Michigan, I know they have a tough year, but Michigan, look, you don't need to worry about being Notre Dame. If you lose to them, it's not a big deal. You got to focus on Ohio State at the end of the year because that's the only team you always can come short. And I agree, Dylan, Jim Harbaugh uh, has to be Ohio State this year. It's, it's got to happen because if it doesn't, Dylan, Michigan has another 9-3 season, then we might see Jim Harbaugh in the NFL next year. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, let's go to the last game of the game day pick em. Number 20, Virginia Tech versus number 19, Florida State. Well, the good news, Dylan, is for Florida State is that Daniel Francois is going to be starting the quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles. So that's huge. Virginia Tech, I know they did really well last year. Well, the, the new coach there, Fuentes, getting things, the ball rolling there for Virginia Tech. Of course, Fuentes went to, he was coach of Memphis. So now he's at Virginia Tech doing big things there. It's going to be a close game, Dylan, but I think Florida State is going to find a way to pull away from that game at home, which is the most important thing. And they're a 7.5 favorite. So I think Florida State, Dylan, will get a job done. The Knowles get a uh, victory on the board against Virginia Tech. You know, this is a game that I was looking at very closely. They are closely ranked this season as well. Florida State is 19, Virginia Tech is 20, but I think this will be an upset. I think the Hokies will go into Florida State and take over that game. I think that the Hokies will beat the Knolls in that game to start the season off on a very, very high note. Um... So now that's the end of our game day pickums. Let's talk about some of our teams that are very close and near and dear to our heart. Uh, the University of Tennessee Volunteers will be playing up against the West Virginia Mountaineers against Will Greer in that offense. Will Greer is coming back into playing as the starting quarterback there, um, and it's going to be a tough game. I think that that's going to be a game that will that will um, set the tone for the season. I think Tennessee has a lot to prove in that first game, and we'll see what happens in that game. I I think that it'll be close. Um, I'm crossing my fingers and crossing my toes as well that Tennessee wins that game, but it's going to be a very close game. I can't even call a winner of that game. I just think it's going to be a very, very interesting game to watch because we have so many things to look at in that game to see if Jeremy Pruitt's system will be um, able to win games in the SEC especially against teams like Georgia and teams like Alabama, uh, teams of that caliber. I mean, it's going to be a real test this season um, of Jeremy Pruitt to see if he can actually succeed in the SEC East. Um, But yeah, the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to be a huge, huge opponent for the first week. And I would not be surprised if that game went into overtime because it's going to be a very, very close game the entire time. JT, let's talk about your uh, Texas Longhorns. Well, for the Texas Longhorns, Dylan, we got a big game this Saturday on the road as we'll be playing at FedEx Stadium, and we'll be playing against Maryland, the Terps. Uh, we know the Terps have a lot of drama off the field lately, so we'll see how they respond on the field. Uh, Texas, they are a 13.5, I think, favorite over Maryland right now. But remember, Dylan, Maryland beat us at our place last year, 51-41 to in our house. So we can't take Maryland lightly, guys. We got to focus, bring our A game. Tom Irwin has really revamped our offense. We look good in spring ball this past spring, and we're getting ready. 
Uh, Tom Herman announced that Sam Ellinger, sophomore quarterback, is going to be our starting quarterback there this season. He had 11 touchdowns and 7 interceptions last year. So hopefully he'll stay healthy this year, carry the load for the team, and we'll get that first win on the road because this is a huge deal. And Texas Longhorns, we got to start off good because if we struggle this year, you know Texas, it's a pressure cooker. Big school like the Florida Gators up the road here. If you start losing, people are going to lose their minds. They're going to so, riot. Know, They're going right? to riot everywhere. So Texas got to get it together. So I think, Dylan, they're going to get that win against Maryland, but it's going to be a little closer than the experts think. But we're going to pull it out, and then we'll see what happens. Surrey, why are you talking to me right now? <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on to the WNBA. JT, give us some playoff uh, update in the WNBA for this year. Yeah, Dylan, here in the WNBA, it's been a pretty exciting year for the league. Uh, Brianna Stewart, of course, won the MVP for the league this past week that they just announced. So congrats to her on that for the Seattle Storm. The WNBA, Dylan, has been, the playoffs has been pretty exciting. We had a lot of drama. Diana Taurasi has been carrying the Phoenix Mercury in the playoffs. They beat the Dallas Wings in the first round. And then in the second round, they played Connecticut Sun, where Diana Taurasi had the carry team, got 27 points for them to win that game. They are playing the Seattle Storm right now in the semifinals. The NBA, in the WNBA, the first two rounds are just a single elimination, and then in the semifinal, it's a best of five. And they played the other night. Of course, uh, it was a very close game, but the Seattle Storm managed to get a first win at home. They'll play game two tomorrow night. On the other side, the LA Sparks knocked out the defending champion Minnesota Lynx, knocking them out of the playoffs. And for Lindsey Whalen, 15-year career in the, in the league, she's going to retire, and she's going to focus on coaching the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers women's team. So I wish her the best of luck with that. In the second round, the Washington Mystics did defeat Candace Parker's team, the LA Sparks, in that round to for them to advance. Uh, Della Don carrying that team, and now they're playing the Atlanta Dream in the other semifinal. And the Washington Mystics did win that game last, the other night over the Atlanta Dream. So those two games, Dylan, between Seattle and Phoenix and Atlanta and Washington, will play tomorrow. So, yeah, great. Uh, WNBA is going strong like normal, so uh, we'll see what happens um, to close out the playoffs, and um, we'll see who will reign victorious in the WNBA playoffs this season. So let's move on to hockey news. So Canadian hockey women's icon Haley Wickenheiser got hired as the Maple Leafs assistant director of player personnel, or player development, I'm sorry, player development. So congratulations to her. That's a, a, a great accomplishment um, for a woman in the NF, in NHL, actually. So that's really, really good for her. Not only that, Dylan, I mean, she was a legend for the Canadian women's ice hockey team, you know, Canada woman winning gold medal and winning championships, and that's great. And a lot of people I've heard on social media have said that this could be history. This could be the first, well, it is history, but it could be the first time that a woman like Haley Wickenheiser has a chance to be a, a GM for a, a hockey team, a men's hockey team. That that's, that'd be a, a great. So I know we talked earlier in the summer about Becky Hammond possibly getting an NBA job in the future someday, but Haley Wickenheiser, she's already in the front office and trying to make things there. And for the Maple Leafs, though, and they're doing well. They just got John Tavares. They got Mike Babcock still there. The Maple Leafs are going to try to make a run in the playoffs, a deeper run in the playoffs this year, and try to get Canada's first Stanley Cup. Canada hasn't won a Stanley Cup, I think, since, what, 93 when the Montreal Canadiens won it? It was the last time. So Toronto, man, it's been a long time since they won a title. So let's see if the hockey team gets it done this upcoming season. Exactly. So let's move on to the Edmonton Oilers. They signed Scotty Upshaw to a pro tryout contract. Yeah, Dylan, uh, your boy, Scotty Upshaw, who's bounced around the league <laughs> with a bunch of teams lately. Uh, he used to play for your Preds, but he's going to get a tryout contract uh, for the, the next month. Of course, you know, Dylan, training camp for the NHL starts next month. So he's hoping to break in with the Edmonton Oilers, play the preseason games, and hopefully make the team. I think the best case scenario for Scotty Upshaw, because you know, he's getting old out there, is he'll probably make the team, but he'll get designated for assignments to their minor league team in the AHL, and then assuming he does well there and the Oilers can struggle, he'll get called up, and then if he does well with the team, he'll probably stick around. But I think, Dylan, that's the best-case scenario for your boy, Scotty Upshaw. Perfect. And last but not least, the Washington Capitals, your boys, 
Uh, forward Chandler Stevenson pays tribute to Humboldt with Stanley Cup visit um, to a Humboldt memorial, uh, which is fantastic. There's a picture online on Twitter um, showing the Stanley Cup in the middle of um, all sorts of uh, tributes to the Humboldt uh, players there. It was a fantastic tribute and a fantastic picture um, that speaks volumes. And once again, a picture speak, uh, is worth a thousand words, and in that picture it definitely was, and then some. Yeah, Dylan, uh, I saw a lot of this on Twitter as well. Uh, one thing I will mention that uh, Philip Pritchard on at Keeper of the Cup, he posted this on Twitter saying, hashtag Stanley Cup visits Humboldt Broncos Memorial Site. While their Stanley Cup dreams were unfulfilled, we thought we'd bring Stanley Cup to them. God bless. Rest in peace. Saskatchewan Highway Intersection. So I thought that was really, really uh, awesome to see that very powerful moment that, hey, those guys you know lost their lives, but this is still the dream. This could be you. You could be... So coming from that area and potentially in 10 years or so, being in the NHL and, and bring the Stanley Cup back to your hometown. So I think that will be inspiring for the kids back home. And that team's going to start playing again in the Junior Hockey League um, for the kids in that league. And we'll see, Dylan. Uh, that's just great to see, uh, great for Chandler Stevenson to do that as a Stanley Cup champion for the Washington Capitals. Yeah, definitely agree. Well, let's move on to JT's favorite segment of the week. It's the football recap of the week. And JT, the microphone is all yours. Thanks, Dylan. As always, here at Out of Bounds, we are here to recap the latest from the beautiful game. And from our weekend recap, man, Arsenal, they finally got a win, guys, after struggling two big games against Man City and then Chelsea last week, coming back and losing in heartbreaking fashion at the end of the game. Unai Emery, the new coach replacing Arsene Wenger, finally gets that first win. Didn't start out great for Arsenal. They were down 1-0 to West Ham United, but came back with a goal late from Danny Welbeck to steal the win, 3-1 to one over West Ham. Liverpool FC and Tottenham Hotspur still keeping their winning streak. Those are the top two teams in the Premier League. Liverpool getting a win this past weekend. And then Tottenham stunning Manchester United again. Manchester United, second time now, they've lost back-to-back games. Last week, they lost to Brighton, a team that finished 15th in the league last year. And then this game against Tottenham Hotspur, Dylan, I watched this game before I came to do the podcast with you, and Manchester United really struggled. I don't understand Jose Mourinho, what he's doing. You had, you had us all believe we were going to do a four-man back defensive line, and then you change your mind to put three defensive backs against Tottenham. Tottenham, a team that has Harry Kane, Deli Ali, all these players, uh, and uh, Mora, and all those guys scoring for that team. Uh, Lucas Mora, I'm trying to remember his name. And, of course, they don't have one of our top players, Sung Ham Yen, because he's busy in Indonesia trying to help his country, South Korea, win the Asian Games. So he's been gone, and you lose 3-0 at home? I mean, that's not good. And Jose Mourinho, after the game, Dylan, he was clapping the fans, and then he stormed out of his press conference. And, Dylan, every third season, Jose Mourinho doesn't do well with his teams and ends up getting sacked. It happened since he left Inter Milan. He went to Real Madrid's third year, didn't finish, got sacked. Same thing with Chelsea. Got sacked his third year. And now it looks like Dylan, if Manchester United doesn't turn things around soon, he may not make it by Christmas. Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, and their big three, Mbappe, Cavani, and <coughs> excuse me, Neymar, scored goals in their game this past weekend against Angers for a 3-1 win. Barcelona, Atleti, and Real Madrid also won their games in La Liga this past weekend. Juve, where Ronaldo is making his debut at home, excuse me, helps him get a 2-0 victory. And AC Milan blew a 2-0 lead over Napoli in Serie A for Napoli to come back late, score three straight goals for them to win that game. And that includes my weekend recap. Now, Dylan, Orlando City, we had our big game this past weekend against Atlanta United. And Dylan, well, no surprise by now, we lost. <laughs> and Atlanta United, uh, a team we have not beaten we got outshot in that game, Dylan, 19-6 at home. Atlanta United, Dylan, their, our coach James O'Connor said, we're not going to let Joseph Martinez break the record. And what does he do? He gets the goal after we just tied the game up with Gary Sutter with that goal uh, to uh, break that record. He's broken the MLS single-season record, has 28 goals. That's been staying since the league existed. And Atlanta United, Dylan, they've proven they're now the best team in the league. While Orlando City, Dylan, we have now been winless in our last six games. No wins, five losses, and a draw. We still have not beaten Atlanta United. They own us, Dylan. It's like every time they come play us, they beat us at our house. And then we go to Atlanta. We can't get nothing but a draw up there. 
And for Orlando City, Dylan, we are now dead last in the MLS Eastern Conference. Now for the ladies, Orlando Pride, they had a really frustrating game this past weekend against Chicago Red Stars, and they lose that game 3-1, to which officially eliminated from playoff contention in the NWSL with one game remaining against Sky Blue FC. It's a very, very frustrating year for Orlando Pride, Dylan, because with Marta, Camila, and you had Alex Morgan there, and they just they just couldn't get it done this past season. They slipped, and Tom Smarney couldn't figure it out. So now we got to see what happens next, Dylan. All right, Dylan, for some soccer news, now we got MPSL Pro League trying to get their league starting. Rumor has it the Cosmos and Jacksonville Armada and Miami FC are trying to get that league going with Detroit City and Chattanooga FC. So they are planning to start the league sometime next year. We don't know details on that league yet. They just had the meeting, but they're expecting to make some more announcements in October. Austin FC, really MLS? You got that vote to Macau Place in Austin, get your stadium built. And now last week, when you asked Columbus to, fans to renew your tickets for next year, that same team you're trying to move to Austin. And now they announced the Austin FC as their team, and their logo, Dylan, is an oak tree. Are you kidding me? Austin FC, and you're going to have an oak tree as your logo? You can't put the skyline or a Texas star or, or so, an oak tree? Really? Really? All right, and then, of course, in the NSL USFF update, they're just doing court documents. So we'll see how that goes. They'll have the meetings. We'll give you more updates as that goes along. All right, Dylan, for my games to watch this week, you pretty much got the EFL Cup. No Premier League action this week is the EFL Cup. You got your wave of Champions League playoffs. We'll see if PSV can get to the group stage. And that, guys, will pretty much conclude my football recap of the week. So on to miscellaneous news, the Hawaii team won in the Little League World Series against South Korea this weekend. Congratulations to them. That's a huge achievement for that for that um, state and also a huge achievement for that team. Um, so congratulations to Hawaii. They've had a great week, like I said earlier in the, in the show, um, and that was just one of another thing that they did this week, and they're trying to avoid that hurricane and everything that came through, the Category 2 hurricane that came through. Um, but, yeah, fantastic for them winning the, World, the Little League World Series. Yeah, great weekend for Hawaii, man. The football team wins and the Little League World Series. They won the championship over South Korea. So, yeah, good news for Hawaii to bring some good news back home to the island. There you go. Now let's move on to winners and losers. JT, I will start with you first. All right, Dylan. Well, my winner this week is Cristiano Ronaldo, who's only barely played two games for his new team, Serie A uh, Juventus, but he's brought in over a billion dollars, and he's only played two games. So Juve definitely making money off him. My loser this week is going to be ESPN's Get Up show because, as you heard, Dylan, Michelle Beadle is now leaving the show after saying last week that she doesn't watch football or college football because everything that's happened. And I totally understand from her perspective. Although I did watch Get Up this morning, and she was on there still. I heard she was going to be off of there today. Oh. But I don't know I don't know what's happening with Michelle Beadle now. But, yes, I did see her comments about not she's um, boycotting the NFL and NCAA um, because of everything that's been going on in the past year or so. Um, she was talking about how this is adding a second year to her boycott of the NFL, and she's going to start boycotting NCAA too. Weird, uh, weird comments from a sports analyst, a sports anchor. Um, and I know that your opinion is what you're getting paid for, but that's a very strong opinion to have. So, yeah, not only that, you know, ESPN Get Up has been dropping the ratings, so they're trying desperately to save that show. But I think they're going to ESPN's going to do something now. So we'll see. My other loser this week, of course, I mentioned Anthony Precourt. Come on, Austin FC, a tree? What is this? Fear the tree? Really? I don't like that. I'll show you the logo on Twitter later, but it's crazy, Dylan. Perfect. Anyway, Dylan, who's your winners and losers? Winner this week is Shaquem Griffin. It looks like he might be starting in week one, which is fantastic. If that happens, that is a fantastic resurgence for Shaquem Griffin because he has had an outstanding preseason so far, and his training camp is doing, and he's doing quite well in training camp as well. So congratulations to him. Also, my loser this week is Giants catcher Buster Posney um, and the San Francisco Giants fans actually because he's out for the rest of the season because of hip surgery so that's my loser this week final thoughts JT on to you all right guys well my final thoughts goes out to my boy Manu Ginobili who announced retirement today from the league played in the NBA for 16 seasons started out in Europe been the Spurs helped us won four championships he won a gold medal for Argentina back in 2004 Dylan and they also upset the United States basketball team that year as well and Manu I mean thank you for everything it's sad, Dylan, because it's the end of the era. Within 60 days, we've lost Kawhi, Tony Parker, and now Ginobili. So now it's DeMar Rosen era. Here we come. 
That's my final thought. Dylan, who's your final thought? My final thought goes out to J.J. Watt because he uh, it was just announced this week that his fundraiser for the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund um, was the largest crowdsourced fundraiser in world history, raising $41.6 million um, in the past 12 months, which is fantastic for them. Congratulations. And that's the show for this week, guys. Thanks for listening so much. You can follow us on Facebook at Out of Bounds with Dylan James, on Twitter at OOB Podcast. You can also email me at DylanOutofBoundsPodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Dylan underscore James. JT, what are your social media handles, sir? You guys can follow me on Twitter. I'm at JTSocka88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSockaSports. And you can email me at jtoutofboundspodcast.com. Also, I always forget about this. My Instagram is dylanjames underscore fl, as in Florida. So follow me there. Thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. And we will talk to you next week.